It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lob to your corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown, Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you as we start a new day on the flagship of the silver and black. Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. and on the Raiders mobile app. Hope everybody's doing well today. Busy day. I'm all over the place today. We're going in a bunch of different directions. It's kind of an important weekend for sports, but you got to like the sports I like. you got Tiger Woods, who's playing golf in Los Angeles at Riviera. That's a huge story. Tiger Woods is back. And on top of that, the Golden Knights are home, which I love. Gary Lawless is going to join us. In about 45 minutes, a couple of big hockey games coming up tonight and Saturday. We'll preview with one of the best analysts in all of hockey, Gary, at 12.45. Uh, Maury Brown will join us from Forbes. He covers sports business for Forbes at the top of next hour. Always a great interview from baseball, Las Vegas, getting the Super Bowl, the economic impact. That'll be a good interview because he's always fantastic. And then we'll go from there. You know the phone number? Start dialing now so I could get you up here by some point in the monologue. 702-365-9200. And I just tweeted out to start off the show. You know, we like to come up with topics that keep you interested. Well, today's topic is we're going to try to blow holes through this theory that the Chiefs are a dynasty. I woke up today, and I'm going to talk about this twice, today, right now and the next hour as I reset with our new lunchtime audience, depending on when you're listening, I am, I'm pretty involved with this dynasty talk. I, I think the strength of what I do as a sports fan that I bring to radio, because being a fan is much more important than being a radio host. I'm not going to be a radio host forever, but I'm going to be a sports fan my entire life, and I'm going to be a diehard sports fan. We're becoming a softer and softer sports society by the minute. And that's okay if you've got little kids who play t-ball. It's okay if you go out and the eight-year-olds are playing soccer and mom runs out on the field. I'm cool with all that. I've been there. My kids played youth sports, and they loved it. But when you get into professional sports, which is what we do on the flagship of the Raiders, you're just defined by championships. That is it. Now, it's nice to make the playoffs. It's nice to win games because of the revenue and prestige it brings to an organization. You know, you get some home playoff games, you're selling a lot of beer. You're selling a lot of parking. All the restaurants and bars and hotels in that city are full, and it's good for the economy, and I like that topic. I really like that topic with my background in sports and being a stockbroker back in the day. I love to know what can happen with streaming rights and revenue, television rights, and all of that, but you got to win games, and the Raiders are sitting here now in a unique situation. They have upgraded themselves to one of the greatest revenue and financial stories In decades. Think about what I just said. I wanted the Raiders to stay in Oakland, and so did you. It didn't work in Oakland. Oakland and Libby Schaaf and the politicians before, they were absolutely clueless. They had no idea about sports to begin with. And I've sat around these people, so I'm not just pulling this from smoke and nowhere. They didn't care about sports to drive the economy in the East Bay. The East Bay is just a beautiful place to live, man. Depending on where you are, you can get to the Oakland Coliseum pretty quickly 
to see baseball, football, and at one time basketball with the Golden State Warriors in Oakland. And then you look at tech. You can release a crow like they do in Game of Thrones, and the crow could fly quickly to Oracle, Facebook, Apple, Google. Oh, my God. Those companies are some of the biggest companies in the world, and a lot of their employees and their executives live in the Bay Area. And Oakland couldn't figure any of this out because they were so single-minded, rooted in bad politics when it came to sports. And I'm not talking... Republican versus Democrat. You can if you want. I'm not doing that. They just didn't have a clue on how to sit down with people over the years from Mark Bedane to Mark Davis to whoever was going to be at the time the chief executive going back to Al Davis, going back to Warriors ownership. And obviously the A's are a train wreck. The A's might be the most embarrassing sports organization in all the sports because they got a billionaire owner And no one holds him accountable. And there's real estate all over the East Bay. There's the Coliseum location, which is a really big piece of dirt. I mean, you've all raised your hand and beep your horn if you've tailgated in the Oakland Coliseum or went to Day on the Green, which was the biggest concert pretty much other than Woodstock, right? And all these big events, and they couldn't figure it out. So someday someone's going to write a book, wink, wink, and maybe someone will figure out and talk about the deconstruction of the East Bay, not the Bay Area, because the Giants and the 49ers who moved out of San Francisco, I thought that's a blunder, too. That's a blunder, moving the 49ers out of there. Candlestick Point, whatever. You look at what they did south of Market. I lived south of Market, right above Momo's, for two years. That's right across the street from the ballpark where the Giants play. Now you got the Giants, the Warriors. Could you imagine if the 49ers were down there? There was plenty of waterfront to do the Niners, do the Warriors, and the Giants. Whatever you think, that side of the Bay Area kind of figured it out where the airport is, which it thrives globally. The East Bay is just a disaster. And now the baseball team in the East Bay is begging to come to Las Vegas. I mean, they're begging. They have, they've ruined the franchise because now the fans in the East Bay are sitting there and they're saying to themselves, man, I don't know if I can go to an ace game. I'll go to Root Beer Float Night and I'll go to Star Wars Night. And fireworks night, but I'm not going to go there on a Tuesday night when the wind's blowing and there's 4,000 fans there because they're using me as a fan, telling me that they want to go to Vegas because they can't figure it out here where they just have all these options and they can't figure it out. So that franchise is on the brink. And for those friends who are listening in the Bay Area, they even know this because I live across the street from the ballpark a walking distance to the ballpark here in Las Vegas where the AAA team plays, and it blows away the Coliseum. I mean, you walk through this clubhouse and the hitting area, the cages, and you walk through the concourse. I mean, this place is unbelievable. It's voted the best ballpark a couple of years in a row. It's incredible. And you could drop a major league team in here, and believe me, you could do it. And it connects to a casino and something called downtown Summerlin. I mean, it's paradise up here. And that brings me back to the Raiders again. The Raiders are here. And they're very vibrant financially. I mean, what has been done before they came here, the men and women who built that stadium, what, they, what, the, what their vision was and what's happening now, you can't even keep up with it, man. You cannot keep up. I need a calendar every day to find out what events. I get to MC a few of them. I'm very lucky and blessed to do that. What concerts are coming? What concerts might be coming? We got the Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl. We get college basketball now, college football. 
with the kickoff classic, all this stuff, it's vibrant. So in this economy now, Vegas is ready to pounce. We are ready to roll. And what has to happen now is the quarterback has to come into this vibrant economy and take it over. Someone's got to be smart enough. And Derek was a good guy. Derek didn't do any media. Very big secret that you should know. He didn't do any media anymore. I don't know why. Just didn't talk to anybody anymore. Maybe his brother a little bit. Maybe someone else. Maybe on a podcast. He didn't do much with us. And that's fine. But we need a quarterback to come into this market in Las Vegas and understand the vision of taking it over and saying, I am going to have my name and likeness on the side of a casino. I am going to have businesses coming through my port because I'm making so much money and I'm so good, I'm a star. And I'm going to pick up the city of Las Vegas and put it on my back because who else can do it? You know, Mark Stone, Ken, he's the captain of the Golden Knights. I like Kevin Kruger a lot and the Kruger family from UNLV. We got a new football coach at UNLV. That's not going to do it. We need a quarterback who's going to come into this city and go, holy blank. I knew this. I kind of know it. I had no idea. And then that's going to flip everything. And that quarterback is what we're going to be talking about. And I have more and more information. And I'm I'm, uh, trying to bring in all the other shows that are talking about it. And we had a good week this week because we had Mike Florio on. We've had insiders on. Rick Spielman, we had Vinny Bonsignor on. And if you notice, the trend of all this week is who's going to be the quarterback. So I just wanted to open up the show saying, I'm pro-Vegas. I was pro-Oakland. I I didn't live in Oakland. I commuted up there. People were still shocked by that. JT, I never lived there. I lived in Vegas the whole time. No one asked. I'd fly up. I'd fly home. I'd get on the flight with a bunch of Raider fans. It's great. So I love Vegas, and I want the quarterback to love Vegas. And that could be Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers probably cares much about Vegas the way I do. You know, like I, I want to be Mr. Vegas and love this town. I think Aaron Rodgers wants to play golf. He can play at Wynn. He can play at Shadow Creek and the Summit. Let me say that again. He can play at the Summit, Shadow Creek, and Wynn. Okay, those are three of the best golf courses you'll ever play in your life. And then he can buy a house. He can buy Derek Carr's house or someone else's house and live in luxury. And come here for two years, two guaranteed years for a lot of money, and put this team on his back. He's already a Hall of Famer. He's a four-time MVP. He's done. He's got everything that you could ever have in life. He's got a ring. You do not need six rings like Michael Jordan or 11 like Bill Russell. You just need one. Then you get introduced all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl MVP, Aaron Rodgers, or five-time MVP or four-time MVP. But Aaron Rodgers is one of these quarterbacks that are in this group that could come to Las Vegas. And I just believe that the economic impact of what's happening here with F1, what Mark Davis has done brilliantly, what Mark has done and the team that he surrounds himself with, former team in Oakland, former executives that came to Vegas who aren't here, the current regime that is here, right? So I'm family-friendly to everybody. Everybody has, has taken this city and thank God the Raiders are here because I would have stayed here and it would have been lean, man. I'm, I'm talking Golden Knights because I love the team. I talk a little bit about UNLV, but this town needed an NFL kick in the ass and we got it. Now we got the Super Bowl. So as I'm on conference calls this morning with some sponsors, talking to people, and everybody sees me jumping through the Zoom. I mean, calm down, JT. You're excited. I am excited. I'm excited for the Super Bowl being here. 
And I'm not a guy who's going to predict that the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl before I, I know who the quarterback is. If it's Jarrett Stidham, I'm not going to predict him to go to the Super Bowl. If it's Aaron Rodgers, I might. You know, if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, I might predict the playoffs. But, you know, I'm in this spot just like you are in the Raider Nation. We are fluid. We're waiting. We're waiting for more information. And there's a lot, of, like Peter Schrager today. And I'll, I'll tell you next out. Peter Schrager today was on, I believe, Colin Coward. I heard it in the car. And basically, he's throwing out little nuggets that, you know, maybe the Raiders are calling other teams about their quarterbacks. Whoa, what does that mean? Is he, is he insinuating what Mike Florio told me the other day that maybe they're calling on Mac Jones? Is Mac Jones the guy that we should be focused on? Or should it be Baker Mayfield and a top quarterback? I don't know. I think if you're going to go with a bridge quarterback, you go with Stidham. You let Stidham have the team, and then you, you go in and you go all in, and you get a great quarterback. But the Raiders are picking seven. And I don't like to jump the gun early on the mock drafts. I'm mock draft guy like a week or two out of the draft. I'm not mock draft guy the day after the Super Bowl. I know who the quarterbacks are. I have them right in front of me. But you know, that, if, if the Raiders want to go from seven to two or three, they'll get a stud quarterback, and the franchise will be set for the next five years with the stud quarterback unless he turns out to be Jamarcus Russell. Unless that quarterback is a said bust, that quarterback, if he's C.J. Stroud, or Bryce Young will start at some point early in his career in Las Vegas, and he will play throughout his rookie contract. It'll just be too valuable to throw in the towel on the guy. But the Jets are throwing in the towel on their guy. Look at what the Jets did with Zach Wilson from BYU. They took him second overall, and they can't get, they can't get out of that deal quick enough. They'd love to have Derek Carr. And they're pitching Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr with the Jets. How do you think that kid Zach Wilson feels? He feels like Baker Mayfield. Like, Baker Mayfield was getting heat from Cleveland going, hey, calm down. I'm Baker Mayfield. I won the Heisman. I took you to the playoffs. It's going to take me time to develop, and you're kicking me out the door. And you're going to go get Deshaun Watson, who at one point had 26 lewd conduct um, accusations made against him? Yeah, they threw him right out like he didn't exist. Maybe Belichick wants to do that with Mac Jones. Maybe Belichick's saying, I don't have Josh McDaniels to fix this kid. He's pretty good. But I got some other guys. I want to go get a quarterback, too, and start fresh again. Don't know. But it brings me back to Aaron Rodgers again. Aaron Rodgers has the ability to really change everything in this city. You know, there's, there's hype guys in this town. I think I'm a level of a hype guy. Mark Chinook, our friend's great at it. You see him at the hockey games and on the field at the Raider games. The hype that Aaron Rodgers would bring to this city and this franchise would be off the charts. It would be insane. The only thing bigger would have been Brady. Brady retired. Brady's just presence would be incredible. But Brady's presence in Las Vegas as a quarterback would have been pretty special. Aaron Rodgers, it's different. It might be a little bit more quirky, a little bit more unique. But the whole city and the whole franchise will be on fire. The amount of jerseys that will be sold, season tickets, suites, people trying to get friends into games, parties, everything that we do in this town will be elevated. And if that's not the case, and it's a bridge quarterback, will it be boring? It's not going to be boring. It's a Raider game. But I, I got to focus on trying to keep those other fans out of our building. And that's going to be hard to do. Because Patrick Mahomes is on stage yesterday all liquored up, you know, slamming beer cans saying, we're going to bring this thing back and we're going to be a dynasty. So I tweeted out at JT the Brick, we're going to spend some time today 
knocking down this fake news of the Kansas City Chiefs being a dynasty. I'm going to go through every league of these sports, our major sports, and tell you who the dynasties are. Kansas City is not, but they are on the precipice of becoming a dynasty if they win one more. If they win three Super Bowls in a four- to five-year period, that is definitely a dynasty with them going back-to-back. And I think the only way this organization can knock out him is a complete upgrade on the defensive side with a faster, smarter, more athletic defense that can get can help Max Crosby. Can anybody help Max, please? Can anybody? I mean, Chandler Jones does a little bit. Perryman's done a nice job. Can we get everybody to do their job? Can we get everyone on defense to come to the NFL and do their job and go sideline to sideline, know when to blitz, know when to drop into zone coverage, know how to catch a ball on defense if it's thrown to him, know how to dive, dive and knock it down? Can we get some of those guys in here? They got to do that. And I think they're trying to do that. But the quarterback is going to keep the team on the field. So now that we've moved on from Derek Carr, wish him well, tip of the cap, we'll remind everybody the reason this team was in peril last year in a couple of games where they did not, not have to be because they were winning and they were up by double digits in the second half is the quarterback couldn't run. The quarterback couldn't run at any level to help this team win a game. He just couldn't run, or he refused not to run. And then the conspiracy theory comes, well, when he broke his leg, he stopped running. When he broke his leg, he, he changed his quarterback. I've seen Derek run. I've, I've sat at the torch on the pregame show. I look at Eric Allen. We have Rich Gannon on. I'm like, is Rich, uh, Rich is he going to run in this game? Like, we need a guy who can run third and four, not third and 14. Patrick Mahomes had one of the greatest runs in Super Bowl history with a bad ankle in the Super Bowl. It was his Michael Jordan flu game moment. It was his Steph Curry moment on a bad ankle moment. We need a quarterback who's going to come in here and run on third and 11. The problem with this franchise now is third and 11 in the passing game feels like third and 30. And third and 11 in the running game with the quarterback feels like it's third and 50. I look around the league, every quarterback's running. Josh Allen? Josh Allen of Buffalo, how tall is he? 6'4", 6'5"? He wants to run. Like the pocket breaks down, he's like, to hell with Stephon Diggs or or Davis. I'm going to run, and he'll run you over. So this team needs a franchise quarterback who can move, get in and out of the pocket, get the play in in time, change the play if they have to, and run when necessary. That was the biggest flaw of what hurt this team last year because the defense even though statistically they're never good. I mean, this defense statistically has been terrible, right? 32nd, 31st, 29th, and whatever. They hung in there. They did. There were games, man. I'm at the M Resort watching the game with Eric Allen, and I'm like, holy cow. Max just batted a ball down on third down, and they're off the field. Then the offense comes back, and they go three and out. And that's critical of coaching and the quarterback and everybody who just couldn't move the chains four yards. The team didn't have Hunter Renfro. They didn't have Waller for most of the year. That really hurt this team. I mean, come on. Once Hunter Renfro was concussed in the home opener, his season was over. He was never the same, and we hope he comes back at 100% because he's a great young man, a good player. He's got to get going. And Darren Waller, Darren Waller was ramping up to get ready and ready. I ran into Darren at the Super Bowl at the Ditka Jaws party. We spoke for a few minutes. He was with Jonathan Ogden. He looked great. 
We look great, man. We say, man, I hope you're healthy. I hope everything's great this year. We want him to be here and do well. But the quarterback has got to move the pocket. The quarterback's got to step up in the pocket. And I think the guy to do that is Rodgers because his footwork is Mount Rushmore. Now, he's a Mount Rushmore type of quarterback. Rodgers, with his four MVPs, Peyton Manning's got five. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. Joe Montana was undefeated 4-0 in the Super Bowl. Then you got to go back to Otto Graham and Bart Starr because they matter. They count. Okay, we don't start with the greatest quarterbacks in 1996. We go back to 1950, on this show at least. Aaron Rodgers is in that conversation. But Aaron Rodgers is missing an opportunity to go from the sixth, seventh greatest quarterback of all time to two or three because he's left all these Super Bowls on the table with good teams, with home field advantage in the snow and Lambeau, and they just can't get it done. So would he have a better opportunity staying in Lambeau and win or coming to Las Vegas? I think he'd have a better opportunity to win a championship in Green Bay than he would in Las Vegas because in Las Vegas there's six elite quarterbacks in the AFC and a couple of them are in the division. I don't care how good you are in the AFC West, man. You need some breaks. You need some things to happen. Aaron Rodgers gives this team the opportunity to slide left, slide right, sidearm throw 40 yards to Devontae. Move the chains. Let's go. Let's go up tempo. Let's go up tempo. Move, move, move. Let's get McDaniels in with another play and just attack the end zone. How many times did the former quarterback here not attack the end zone? Inside the 20 and just didn't take three shots in the end zone. Kind of all the time. I want to see a guy who comes in here and attacks the end zone all the time and runs. Runs out of trouble or runs on purpose. That's the monologue brought to you by PTs. Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. Man, I feel like I just ran two miles. Here's Chris in West Oakland who leads us off today. Thanks for calling, Chris. What's happening? Hey, JT, a few quick things today. One, and again, I'm pretty much done with my Derek Carr phone calls, and I agree with you. The one real quick thing about the, the, the taking three shots at the end zone. Remember, during the Gruden years, this was a statistical fact. When the Raiders were in the red zone, they ran the ball on first down over two-thirds of the time. We text about that during the game, that give up, run up the middle, and now – I think part of it was Derek was a little too conservative, but I also don't think the play calling helped him out a lot. But, again, it's here and there. Derek is gone. Here's what – and as far as the Chiefs, well, I mentioned it on your night show. You're right. Not a dynasty yet. We live in a world now where if a guy has one great year, they want to bust the bank, give him the money, put him in the greatest of all time. I'm going to use a guy like Jalen Hurts. Kid was phenomenal this year. Near MVP season. But I'm hearing people talk about paying him $300 million a year. You have greatness is year in and year out. It's not one year. Maybe Hertz is on the right track, but I'm not. As I said the other day about the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. You know, no matter what, you're always going to be competitive. I'm not quite sure Jalen Hurts is that guy yet. He needs to show me another year or two. But as far as dynasty, win one more and you're a dynasty. They're not there yet. You've got to go back-to-back, and you've got to win at least three in a four- or a five-year spread. Now let's move on to the rated quarterback. Look, I'm going to be very disappointed if they release Derek Carr to get Mac Jones, to get Jimmy Garoppolo, to get Baker Mayfield. These guys are not better than Derek Carr, but here's the main reason why I want Aaron Rodgers. What I don't believe our defense can go from dead last JT into the top 15 or 10, which is what those other quarterbacks need. 
So if we want a legitimate, legitimate shot next year at a playoff and a deep run and playing in that Super Bowl in Vegas, you need Aaron Rodgers, who's hands down, you know, the best quarterback that's going to be available, still the best pure passer in football. If this defense jumps up from the low 30s to just 21 or 22, Aaron Rodgers can bridge that gap. In order to be successful with a Mac Jones or a Jimmy Garoppolo, you probably have to have a top 5 to 10 defense at best or at worst. I don't think the Raiders can make that kind of leap in one year, which is why, to me, it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. If you don't get Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to upgrade the quarterback position, and I think Carr would have been better in his second year in the system, but that's here or there. So I hope the Raiders go all in, give up a couple of first-rounders, because Aaron Rodgers is going to be better than anybody you get in the first round this year or next year. So to me, you want to upgrade this position and make sure we're competitive next year, you better go out and get Aaron Rodgers, or I believe we're in for a disappointing season next year because our defense won't be good enough to carry a Mac Jones, a Jimmy Garoppolo, or whoever the hell they get, else they get besides Aaron Rodgers. So that's my take on it, JT. Again, I hope I'm wrong on all this, and next year I'm apologizing to Josh McDaniels. Thank you, my brother. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, take care, Chris. Always good to hear from you. I don't think it's Aaron Rodgers or bust. That's the only thing I'll disagree. I think you can get Jimmy Garoppolo. You can go with a drafted stud quarterback by going up from seven to two or three, which is got to be an option i'm not saying dave ziggler is going to do it but every mock draft i'm looking at says if the raiders want to get one of these quarterbacks they got to move up so that's an option but yeah i don't think it's aaron Rodgers or bust but clearly he gives the raiders the best chance to go from six wins to 11 or 12 and that's what we're looking at here we're not looking to go from six to seven or six to three we're looking to go from six to ten or eleven and that's going to take a great draft and some free agency and the quarterback, that's what we're talking about. 702-365-9200. John, I can get you in here quick. Thanks for waiting. You called in first. Salt Lake City, what do you got? Hey, thanks for taking my call, JT. You know, I don't really want to hear about Garoppolo and a bridge quarterback or a rookie quarterback. There's not often, if any time, you are ever going to get a shot at getting a Hall of Fame quarterback that can still play at the level. This team... The city of Vegas, the organization, the fans, and most of all them players in that locker room, if they see that Aaron Rodgers is available and he doesn't come to the Raiders and he ends up in the Jets, it will be absolutely devastating, I think, to the morale in that team of the locker room. People don't understand what this actually could mean for the city of Vegas and this organization and what he would bring. Even as far as revenue goes, this thing is much bigger than just getting a quarterback. You have a chance to get somebody that could put on the Raider jersey that could be the greatest quarterback ever to put on that Raider jersey. So I don't know how Mark Davis and them can even think about letting him go to another team. If he stays in Green Bay, that's one thing. I do not want to see him in another team jersey, and if it is, it better be the Raiders or it's going to be a major disappointment to me, to fans, and I think the, the, especially the team. So I hope it happens. I think that's the route they need to go. And, you know, that's all we can do as fans is hope. So thanks for taking my call, JT. Wow. How about that for 27 minutes of radio? How about that? I mean, that put that up against your other favorite show right there. Great start today, everybody. Appreciate that. As we jump on in, Gary Lawless will join me next. He's brilliant. A little hockey interview. If you want to hang up and call back, you know, I'll get you right up as soon as it ends. I never tell people to hang up. Just stay on hold, man. It's easy. I stay on hold all the time. 
and uh, we'll get you going here today with this quarterback conversation and my definition of a dynasty and what I believe is the correct version and definition of a dynasty because too many people have no clue what they're talking about in the media when it comes to a dynasty or not. Now it's a two-on-one for the Knights. Eichel is in. He scores! And Fleury smashes his stick on the post. Jack Eichel now snaps the skin. 5-1 Golden Knights with 6.47 to go in the second period. That's on our flagship station, Vegas Golden Knights Radio. JT Eichel needing to score more. And Vegas on top of the Pacific Division with 68 points. One up on the Kings. Uh, the Kraken are right there. Wow, Kraken are two points behind. Edmonton, who I was in the building when Edmonton beat the Vegas Golden Knights. They're fourth out there. The Sharks and the Ducks and the Canucks are all under 50 points. They're all toast. And this race is getting interesting because the defending cup champs, the Colorado Avalanche, have 63 points, and everybody's waiting for them to get going. So we'll get into this with Gary Lawless, the best in the business. Knights Insider, part of all the broadcast, TV, and radio, and I'm coming into the building Saturday. Will there will be more momentum for JT as I come in with the wife Saturday night? Uh, will there be more momentum? We'll find out, right? A big game tonight against uh, the Sharks. Need to take care of that business. But, uh, yeah, Saturday's game against the Lightning is, uh, is a marquee NHL matchup for sure. With three in a row, and I look at the road schedule, 17-5-4, and four, Wow, just wow, considering they're 15 and 13 at home. So talk about where we are after the All-Star break, where we are in the standings, and how optimistic you are after this little winning streak here that this momentum can keep going, especially with getting guys back healthy. Yeah, well, the team, when they went to to the New York area, they, you know, they, they lost the first game in overtime to the Sharks, then they lost uh, to the Rangers, and then lost in overtime to the Islanders. Those three games... Uh, and actually you go back to before that trip, before they left on that trip, and they beat Washington at home. It's, it's an eight-game stretch, and the team actually dig, dig, dig down on, drill down on some of the numbers. They've been quite, quite good in terms of limiting giveaways, limiting chances against, and their game has kind of become predictable in the sense that they're, they're not giving up very much. They're playing patient, waiting for the opposition to make a mistake rather than forcing offense and making their own mistakes. And as a result, uh, they've got back to that, that winning hockey that they had at the start of the season. The, the, the big thing for them is they, they had this formula early and they lapsed and, and let that good play disappear. They need to build on what they have and actually even take it to another level rather than have another low. So this game against the Sharks is another opportunity to take a step in that direction and then really test out that game against an elite team in the Lightning on Saturday. Gary Lawless is our guest. So tell us about Bruce Cassidy, maybe something you could share with our audience on when he lays off these guys or steps it up a notch verbally and how he's been. He's another new coach with a really good track record, but we said that about DeBoer when he was here. 
and even before, when you look at all these coaches, when do they get to the point where they have to look at a team and say, hey, we're okay in the standings, but we got to play better? Has that moment happened where verbally he's looked at him and said, it's go time? Yeah, he, he said just the other day, he referred to this segment of the season as winning time. Mm-hmm. If you, you use the first part of the season to build your identity, and then the sort of the second chunk of the season, teams start to have injuries, the schedule gets onerous, and you need to manage that part of the season and, and not fall out of things, which is exactly what they did. But now it's, who are you? Uh, you know, and you have to step forward and, and, and make that distinction with your play. So he's, uh, he's put some heat on them. He's an emotional guy in game. Uh, I think he, uh, he's talked about that. He gets pretty, pretty heated, pretty fiery on the bench. And, uh, it's, you know, it's been, you know, what, what does Norman Dale say in Hoosiers? The boys and I are getting to know one another. Well, that's, that's what, that's what it has been between Bruce Cassidy and this team for, you know, I, I would say right up until now. And I think they have a pretty clear understanding of, he understands the talent and the players that he has. He knows what he has, and I think they know what to expect from him. So we'll see where it goes from here. Gary Lawless joins us for a few more moments. Tell us about the goaltending with the injury to Thompson, what we're seeing from Hill, the depth in the minors here. Where are they with goaltending around this league, especially out west? Where do you think they stand and where are they going? Well, I think Kelly McCrimmon did an interesting this, this thing this summer in the sense that He's got five NHL goalies. He's got Robin Leonard, who's injured. He's got uh, Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. And you throw in Loren Bressois. And then also they have Michael Hutchinson. Uh, so he's got a whole bunch of goalies that have got NHL experience. Uh, Bressois, I'm fascinated to see him play because he, he told us that this hip injury is something that's plagued him his entire career. And actually having the surgery, he's regained range and mobility that he hasn't had since he was a, a teenager. And the, the, the technical part of the game, he, there was all kinds of parts of, of his game that he couldn't install because his body wouldn't let him do it. And now his body will let him do it. So he's kind of rebuilt his game. And he's excited to, to test it at the NHL level. And he, he believes, he said this to Dan Duva and I, I think I'm going to be better than I ever have been uh, during my time in the NHL. If that's the case, um, you know, it, it becomes really interesting uh, in net in the crease for the Golden Knights. I, and I, uh, Aiden Hill's been excellent, it, it really good of late. And Thompson, of course, an all-star and now injured. I, I think they're fine in goaltending. They just it's a matter of of who's going to be healthy and uh, and who's going to put it together. But I, I, they've got the bases covered. Someone is going to be able to do the job out of all the goalies Kelly McCrimmon has, has accumulated. As you run out on us and have a great day, and I know you got to work tonight and I'll see you Saturday, I look at a dynasty. That's what my show's about today. I'm sick of this crap about people not understanding a dynasty. The Chiefs won two in four years. That's not a dynasty. That's two. Back-to-back isn't a dynasty. How many hockey dynasties would we have? I grew up with the Islander dynasty four in a row, then Gretzky four out of five. Back-to-back dynasties in hockey. What is your definition of a dynasty? I would assume three cups, or does it got to be three over extended period of time? What do you think? That's three in a row. Ooh, okay. That's where it starts. 
That's where it well, starts. But if the if the Warriors if the Warriors go three out of four, is that a dynasty? I guess. Yeah. You know, three out of four. It's kind of, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like when you think dynasty, you think teams that it's it's they're they're overarchingly powerful, and they are for a long time. They don't lose. They don't, they don't they don't do three out of four. They do four in a row. Yeah. Three in a row. All yeah. right. So the Blackhawks, you know, over three, I over a six. Think, I don't think the, that Blackhawks group is a dynasty. Mm-hmm. I think of them as a really good team. Now the Oilers are the last dynasty in hockey. Nicely said. That's what I thought. You're the best. See you at the rink on Saturday. And always great work. I'm always listening and watching. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. That's Gary Lawless. Fantastic. A guy takes hockey, and he makes it easy for everybody to understand. And he's Canadian, and he likes a good glass of wine, and he loves Vegas. He's a good family guy, and we like having him on the show. So that's your Golden Knights update. We'll do that. I hope to have a Golden Knights guest on at least once a week or every couple weeks here as we start focusing. It's the offseason of football, and we'll be mixing in some NBA guests. I got a baseball guest coming up here, and Mari Brown, who is going to join us at the top of the hour. He can go in that direction, too. But I thought the monologue set us up really good today with a couple of good calls right out of the gate as we're defining what a dynasty is today and we're looking at what the Raiders need to do with the quarterback position. Gangster Raider, appreciate you being patient. You're up next. Go ahead. Well, no, it's not a dynasty. And like you said, it's only two out of the last four. And um, Andy Reid just barely getting back to 500 in the Super Bowl. I think he's two and two. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if he would have lost, it would have been one and three. That's what I was hoping. Hold, let me stop you for a second. I was begging. I was begging for Andy Reid to go one and three in the Super Bowl. because me Tom Because Tom too. Flores, Tom Flores me was too. two and oh. I, I needed too. Andy Reid to go one and three, and he's now me two and two. Too. Me too. That's why, you know me, we're on the same page with that. But he looked up, now he's two and two, and everybody talking this dynasty stuff. But like I said before, that's due to the people – Nowadays, they celebrate more stats than championships. You know what I mean? It's like look at LeBron. They say he's supposed to be the greatest, but he's lost more finals than he won. He really only won three finals. I really don't even count that bubble ring. You know, but if you want to count that, he's four and six in finals. How is that greatest of all time when you actually loser? You know what I'm saying? You lost more than you won, but everybody want to pet stats instead of championships. You're you you, you 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 do the stats or you earn the stats and chase the championships, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And if you don't achieve the championships, I don't think that's greater than the people who actually achieve the championships. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's why the like I agree with you with saying I think you say the sports um has gotten weaker or whatever, that's but it's because of stuff like that. And it's this ESPN generation, you know, with their little lists and mm-hmm. charts and all that. It's 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 weak now and I agree with what you're saying. And I know you um, have a personal relationship with Gruden. Have you talked to him about Carr, and how does he feel about the Raiders moving on for Carr? Yeah, and I appreciate the call. I don't. I haven't talked to Coach in a while. I've uh, talked to him, and I saw him a couple of months ago, but I haven't talked to him about this scenario now. And now that I'm working for Josh McDaniels, interviewing him and doing all that, you know, I keep everything, everything when it has to do with private conversations and quarterbacks and all of that private. So, uh, you know, I'm loyal to the Raiders, as you know, and the organization and the coaches and the GMs and the players I work for in that capsule of time. And we're in this regime now that is at a point where they're trying to make bold moves, bold moves. And we'll be talking to other insiders 
mostly insiders, hopefully a couple of former head coaches. I tell you, one guy I spoke to about Derek Carr for about a half an hour was Warren Moon. Warren Moon and I, at the event I emceed for him, we talked about Derek's strengths and weaknesses and the Raiders and moving on from him and some of the quarterbacks out there. And Warren, you know, not putting words in his mouth, but Warren was a great late-in-his-career veteran. At the end of his career, the back. Remember, they held Warren out for five years. I thought that was really just an awful black eye in the history of the NFL. Then Warren put up some of the craziest numbers of all time. And that was in an era that's not the era that he played in where they made it like pinball, where Drew Brees is thrown for 70,000 yards and all that. Warren didn't play in that era. He was before that. Now we're seeing an era where your quarterback's got to throw for 4,000 yards minimum. He's got to give you 30 touchdowns minimum. And he's got to be able to move outside the pocket. And Warren really loved that topic. I just said, we were laughing. I go, Warren, what would you be making now? And he didn't throw out a number. He just smiled. He just smiled. What these quarterbacks are making today. What these quarterbacks are making today, and there's about six or seven of them are a super elite. So some people say we're in the glory era of the quarterback position. We might be. But they said that 15, 20 years ago with Peyton Manning and Brett Favre and Troy Aikman and Steve Young. Right? Everybody was saying that. And then the era... You know, before that, if you want to go back to Elway, Steve Young, Dan Marino, it was the glory years of the quarterback. I think we're in it now. I mean, this this era of quarterbacking is incredible. And what concerns me is the, the brunt of these great quarterbacks are in the AFC. And they're not going anywhere for a while. Buffalo's not going to let Josh Allen go. He's not good. He's great. I told you, I think Justin Herbert could be the best of them. He's that arm talented. One of the best I've ever seen at this age. But he just threw up a choke job in his career that gives me pause because he had a 27 nothing lead to Jacksonville and collapsed like a cheap suit in that game. That, that was shocking to me. Patrick Mahomes could be one of the greats of all time, and I think Russell Wilson's going to get fixed. That doesn't mean I don't think the Raiders can beat Russell Wilson when he gets fixed, but he's going to get better. Russell Wilson in Denver with Sean Payton. Sean Payton's going to kick everybody out of Russell Wilson's circle other than his wife, Sierra, and everybody else is going to be told, you don't have a key card, you're not coming to our building, I'm going to fix him. And the Raiders are going to have battles up against Sean Payton starting now. So the quarterbacks, most of them are in the AFC. That's why I think it's a priority to get Aaron Rodgers or get the generational quarterback in either Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, or Caleb Williams next year who could be better than all of them. It's complicated. It really is. It is complicated. 702-365-9200. As we continue, there's a lot of NBA talk coming up. A lot of guys getting bought out of their contracts. How would you like to get bought out of a contract for $20 million? When you get traded and the team goes, we don't want you. We'll buy you out for $20 million. It's a big topic today, too. JT. There will come a point in time when my body will not allow me to do that anymore. And it's probably sooner than later. But wrapping my head around that transition and being an ambassador role and just playing and just trying to be out here with the guys, no, that's not in my DNA. Tiger Woods, who tees off today, that's a big deal. I love watching Tiger. We get a chance to do it. JT, back with you. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. What a night I had there last night. 
So last night was the 25-year anniversary that I met my wife, not our wedding anniversary, but we took that really seriously because it's really the big arc of my whole life, especially in Vegas. So it was 25 years to the day, and we spent the night at Virgin Hotels, formerly the Hard Rock, had a great time at one steakhouse, my buddy the King, J-O-D, at the bar. We had some fish, split a steak, had some nice wine, uh, celebrated our life together, meeting in that building as strangers had a nice walk around the property. It was really cool. It was great service. I always have a good time there. I'm always there. And saw a couple of friends there last night. So thanks again to the whole team at Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Proud partner of our show, Boz, and the entire team there. And John O'Donnell, Michael Morton of the famed Morton family of Morton Steakhouse. Michael Morton and his brother own that beautiful restaurant, One Steakhouse. So if you need a steakhouse to go to, and you've got to have one in Vegas or two or three, we like a few of them. Uh, that's one of our home field advantages there at One Steakhouse if you go into Virgin Hotels. And my wife and I came home, and we had a fire outside, and we just kicked back and had a great night and just reminisced about some good memories here all in Las Vegas as we jump in here, and we're talking about the Raiders and the quarterback situation and what's going on. But a good steak, a couple of good bottles of wine, a fun night on 25 years, again, in Vegas with my wife, all because of the Rolling Stones. Think of that one. And if you would have told me 25 years ago that Keith Richards would be alive 25 years from now, I would have took the under. And Keith is still going well. And there are rumors that the Stones are coming out on tour again. We're going to have Johnny Katz on tomorrow to talk about some of the other entertainment rumors in this town. Now, as I come off this trip in Scottsdale and Phoenix, they don't have what Vegas has. But could you imagine if the weather was like we had two days ago here, where it was snowing? Ooh, ooh, we cannot have that. I remember the Dallas Super Bowl, right? The Dallas Super Bowl was just frozen in snow. Uh, Vegas, look out! Look outside your window today. If you're driving, you can see it. If we could have this type of weather for the Super Bowl, or if it starts to warm up and we can get a full week of that, that's exactly what they got in Phoenix and Scottsdale. They could not have had better weather out there with a massive golf tournament and a lot of entertainment. And Vegas is on the clock. I think we outperformed Nashville in the draft from everybody, from what everybody said. And I think we can outperform Phoenix in the Super Bowl. Hour number two coming up next.